You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. You are listening to the All Things Private Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Casal in Asheville, North Carolina, podcast where we talk about private practice startup, growth, trials, tribulations, struggles, and triumphs. I am joined by a good friend of mine and colleague, Montoya McGowan. She is out in Memphis, Tennessee. She is a licensed clinical social worker. She owns a company called Stopping the Chase. She is really a phenomenal speaker, and I'm really happy to have her. She has her own podcast as well. So Montoya, welcome, and thanks for being on. And tell us a little bit about what you're doing out in Tennessee right now. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you for inviting me. I am doing Stop the Chase counseling and consulting. I am seeing individuals, couples, and some families I focus mostly, well, majority of my clients are entrepreneurs or the working well, somebody who has some other type of side hustle, and they struggle with codependency. They're the ones in the family who, quote unquote, you know, got it or made it. And so they are struggling with being Jesus Juniors for everybody else. I like that term. (laughs) Jesus Juniors. Tell us more about what you mean by that stuff. Jesus Junior. So if they can come to you, Patrick, if you're the Jesus Jr., then they actually don't have to go to Jesus. They don't have to trust their own faith or their own abilities. They can just be like, hey, let me call Patrick. He'll take care of it for me. Mm, So working with a lot of high achieving people who maybe they just made it in their family system, the first one potentially, who are reaching out to other people all the time and don't trust their own abilities or instincts. Yeah. How did this kind of develop? Where did this come from? Uh, You know, a lot of our clients tend to look like us and they tend to mirror us in some way or another. I realized some years ago, well, learned some years ago that I attract narcissists and I also attract um, needy people, emotionally needy people. So the more I started to dig into that, the more I realized oh, I'm codependent. (laughs) So you started to realize that about yourself. Yeah. Then I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to be Jesus Jr. anymore. Let me give some people their stuff back. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a pretty big like realization of I don't want to be Jesus Jr. anymore. I don't want to be the one who's always responding and supporting. What was that doing for you in the moment? Like when you were when you were, quote unquote, being Jesus Jr. Uh, that I was being the fixer, the helper, the rescuer. And I was doing it for people who didn't even ask me to. People who right. didn't even want me to. But I inserted myself in a lot of things because I know a lot of stuff. And I figure if I can give you the cheat sheet, then it will help make life a little easier for you. Sure. It was a great way to avoid my own stuff. (laughs) Which we do very often, right? It's like, (laughs) 
<laughs> we try to work our own shit out in other people. Right, right. And I was great at enabling people. But when I started to learn that I made myself this person, and then when I became this person, nobody gave me permission to take a break. Yeah, absolutely. And you were even telling me this morning that you were busy or free and doing all of these different things instead of taking a break. Yeah, yeah. Nobody said, girl, you don't have to do it. I'll figure it out for myself today. And so it started to show up as acne, back pain, anxiety, inflammation, just unexplained illnesses. And I had a really bad case of acne. And I could not figure out how to clear it up. I even had bought some stuff that bleached my face. So I was a lighter, like two or three shades lighter, but I still had the acne. So I went to a primary care doctor and she said, oh, you're stressed. I was like, what? (laughs) She said, oh yeah, you need to go to therapy. And I was like, therapy gonna clear my acne? She said, it'll definitely help. Okay. Were you a therapist at this time when this was happening? I was was just doing social work, working at the the veterans hospital. And I was doing therapy-like stuff, but I wasn't working as a therapist. I gotcha. So a lot of the stress wasn't really coming from the VA. It was coming from your own personal boundary setting. Yes. Tell me about where that took you because you have some really cool stuff going on around boundary setting. Yes. So... Eventually, when I decided to to be a therapist and I started to learn more about codependent people, I started to like, you know, educate people and make quotes and memes about, you know, being the helper and the rescuer and giving people their stuff back. And uh, one day it came to me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to have bougie boundaries. Tell us about what bougie boundaries mean. I I heard you talk about this in Hawaii. So I really enjoyed hearing you explain what this means for you and what this means for for the world. Yeah, so bougie boundaries are the boundaries of of having, having the luxury of deciding what you want to participate in and what you're willing to do for someone else, even, you know, outside of yourself. So there's a there's a couple of different types of boundaries. There's rigid boundaries. There's, I think it's porous boundaries where you really don't have any boundaries. And then there's healthy boundaries. And to have healthy boundaries, you have to get really comfortable with telling people no. You have Absolutely. to, and if you're not comfortable with telling people no, you got to come up with creative ways to say no and be comfortable with it and be comfortable with like saying, oh yeah, I'm not going to be able to help you move your furniture this weekend. And they're like, well, what are you doing? Oh, I plan on catching up on Ratchet TV. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, I think so many of us struggle with that, right? Of like, how am I going to be perceived if I say no? And do I have any value or worth if I'm not supporting other people or always putting myself second? And that's exhausting. That's fucking exhausting. Mm-hmm. So you start saying no to people and what starts happening for you? It got quiet. Yeah. I was like, where is everybody? <laughs> <laughs> so friends and family are disappearing or, or not reaching out anymore in those moments when you start to set those boundaries. Right. Or they got good at feeling empowered and taking care of their own stuff. Not even really that they were rejecting me. They felt more confident to be able to handle stuff without me feeling like I needed to hold their hand or I needed to tell them what to do or how to do stuff. Wow. Yeah. So That's then powerful. I had to, yeah. Then I had to get a life. 
<laughs> yeah. So you had to start focusing on your own self and how you wanted to fill your time without always doing what everyone else wanted you to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. That led me to learning about feelings. Nobody has time for feelings because feelings suck. Um, yes, feelings, they do. feelings make people cry. Feelings make people feel stuff. And I was like, Ugh, what is this? Wait, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm irritated. I feel left out. I don't like these feelings. And then I had to learn, like, after I recognized the feeling, what do I need to do next? And so me going on my own personal journey has helped me be able to help other people, entrepreneurs especially, feel seen, feel heard, help them feel validated, and then give them some tips and suggestions and support while they learn how to work through that. Wow. So completely changing up, not only who you work with, but how you work yep. and really empowering them by empowering yourself first and foremost. Mm -hmm. it, even as a, as a business owner and as an entrepreneur, I have to keep my codependency in check because if I say I don't want to work on Fridays and Saturdays and somebody says they can only come in on Saturday and I'm thinking, I'm not doing anything on Saturday. Should I do it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Should I say yes? Should I break these boundaries that I've created? Yeah. Right. And so if I feel like I'm going to be resentful because I did that, then I choose not to do it. So I have to make sure I pause. I don't respond to people immediately. I have to check in with myself to see what I'm okay with. And then um, because if I make it for them and I'm resentful that I did it, I'm not going to be able to give them my full self. That's really well said. So does that where bougie boundaries come in then in terms That's of figuring this out? You've got to be bougie with your boundaries. <laughs> you can't be raggedy or ghetto with your boundaries. And you also can't be like ice queen with your boundaries because I went ice queen first. Sure. Just super rigid, like yes. cut it all off. Yes, yes. And it got quiet. And then depression was like, hey, girl, what's up? We ain't doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that loneliness starts to creep in. And you're thinking like, I'm on an island. Like I isolated myself from everything and everyone. Yes. So I had to learn to trust myself with making decisions and trust myself with um, creating boundaries that were helpful and healthy. And then help people understand why I'm doing certain stuff. So sure. they don't misunderstand my intentions. Yeah, it's not that you don't want to be there for them or support in some way, but you can't always put their needs first. Yeah. And then I found that codependent people were very controlling. And folks don't like that. They don't like that we jump in and try to manipulate the outcome for them in every way. They want us to maybe support them or be a little close, but... I'm thinking, no, 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 you don't need to do it like this. Let me tell you, it's A, B, and C. But they're like, mm, I like C, and then B looks kind of cute. So that's where the Jesus Junior comes in at, where I'm like, hey, sit this one out and trust God for them and trust that things will work out how they're supposed to, and then you decide on what your role is for them. That sounds like a really cool revelation to think about I can't dictate the outcome. Like I don't need to influence it. So taking a step back, checking in with yourself about why am I doing this? That sounds like a big part of what you've learned along the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it because I may be affected with the outcome. 
Because if, if it's my daughter and she doesn't do things how I think she should do them, I may have to come in and clean up. Sure. And do I want to? And then also, could I be doing something else? I have to be cautious about my will for somebody else's life because there are so many other people's wills and especially God's will. His will is what should be, you know, the forefront of their life, not Montoya's will for them. And it's really challenging to do that for people that you care about. Yeah. What's been the fear when you start to say that? Like, it's really challenging to do that for people you care about. I don't want to see them hurt. I don't want to see them in pain. I don't want to see them have to go through unnecessary trials and tribulations if I can help. But just being an observer and being hopeful for the outcome and being okay with whatever the outcome is. And to some people, it looks like I don't care. Sure. Yeah. Which isn't the case, right? It's like, I mean, I care very much. Sometimes, sometimes. (laughs) Depends on the person. Yeah. (laughs) Depends depends on the situation. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. But like empowering them by holding space and just being there to support, but not jumping in to rescue or save or give advice when the advice isn't asked for. Right. Because I was, I was raised by a teenage mom and she was 15. So teenagers are so emotionally immature and sometimes emotionally explosive based on their personality. So as I was growing up, I had to learn how to pretend like I was okay all the time. And also I felt like I was the one that needed to do damage control. I don't know how I got that role or why I chose that role. And then it just became a part of my personality until I learned that actually people don't like that. It sounds like it was playing a role at some point where it was actually probably useful to some degree Mm -hmm. until it became unuseful and it became damaging to you. Right. Yeah. Wow. So this revelation happens. You're working at the VA. You're starting to realize this. You're going to therapy. I feel like leaving the VA, you and I were talking about this when this was happening. You were transitioning out. That had to be really scary too when it comes to feeling codependent to a system or a job that you don't really like. Yeah, so what happened was the last few months, I started having uh, panic attacks, like unexpected, uncontrollable panic attacks. And I felt like that was the universe's way of saying, you're good. COVID had allowed me to be able to save up money that I wasn't spending. I was just holding on because I felt like I needed a sign or maybe someone to give me permission to leave. And I went out on FMLA and I just never went back. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a leap of faith, right? Like I'm doing this for me. I'm leaving a government job that has a government salary and pension and health insurance, right? A good government job. (laughs) (laughs) A good government job is right. So that had to feel really scary at the time. It did, but I had a client where I was telling her that, um, because I was only seeing people in the evenings and maybe one weekend a month. And I told her, I was like, you know, I'm kind of concerned about filling my daytime schedule. And she said, well, people need appointments in the daytime too. I said, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So that client really checked that, uh, that thought process of I can't fill my schedule. Yeah, yeah. And I was for the past three, almost four years, I've been booked up three to four weeks every single week. Wow. So being able to open up a few hours during the day allowed me to not have to have people on hold because some of those people could actually come during the daytime. 
they can work out their schedule or, you know, doctor's offices are open from eight to five and people figure it out. For so sure. the codependent Montoya was thinking, I need to accommodate their schedule. But the recovering codependent said, here's your schedule. Let them choose and let them figure it out. And if they can't, that will be okay, right? Like if they can't, they will find someone else who can. Yes. And that opens up space for me to have the schedule that works for me instead of for everybody else. Right. So no longer being that Jesus Jr. and offering up all of yourself for and putting your needs on the back burner. Right. Wow. That's a big statement. I was in Army Reserve and I was a dental assistant. And one of the dentists one time was telling me, he said, you make sure that your seat is comfortable for you because every client that came in, I was adjusting for them, for the patient. And he said, no, you, you make them adjust for you because they're only here for a short period of time. You're here all day. So you need to accommodate yourself. Wow. How was that to hear that in that point in your life? I was in my 20s and it felt wrong. It felt like I was being selfish. Yeah. Like I'm going to hurt my back and my posture all day because I want to make sure that they're comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like that mentality of putting the air on first for yourself, the mask on first on the plane, right? So that you can take care of other people. Yep. I use that analogy all the time. You know, you are putting everybody else's oxygen mask on while you're holding your breath and hoping that you survive before the plane crashes or you get a chance to put it on right in the nick of time. Yeah. And they're safe and they're good. But if you put yours on, then you'll be able to help more people and you'll be able to do it correctly without having to rush. So yeah, that's such a great example. That's great imagery to say, like, you have to put your oxygen mask on first. You can't just wait until the plane's about to crash to then take care of your needs. Because that's a good metaphor, right? Like for our own mental health to crash because we've been taking care of everybody else. I want to circle back to the acne thing that you mentioned. Did it go away with therapy and working on these boundaries? And and did it get better? It did. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have known? Let's add that to the fucking list of what therapy can do for someone. Like clear up acne, deal with back pain, deal with posture, like all of the things, right? Right. So what I learned is when I'm stressed, and a lot of us, when we're stressed more than normal, we have an overflow of cortisol. And the cortisol causes inflammation. And the inflammation shows up in each person's body differently. So for me, it shows up as acne. And I also have something called uveitis in my eye. It's inflammation in my eye. So when I'm doing too much or my body's trying to fight off something or I'm not getting enough rest, my eye will be like, um, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) It's time to watch Ratchet TV, like you said before. Yes. Yes, I need to just fucking do nothing and just relax. Yes, yes. And I could be involved in a lot of good things, but am I managing my time to where my body is able to heal and rejuvenate itself? Right. Yeah, that's that's a great, great thought. And just the realization of I've got to take time to recharge. And even if I am involved in all of these fun, cool activities, it still doesn't mean I'm not burning it at both ends. Right. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. So... I love the bougie boundaries thing. I love the Jesus Jr. thing. Recovering codependence. I feel like so many therapists fit into that mold on one side Mm -hmm. or the other of like, I got in this field to give myself away and to just have that like bleeding heart syndrome of I've got to help everybody. 
So it sounds like this has been really going well for you. What has this created in terms of your businesses? So when I took your coaching class, what I focused on mostly was the fee setting. And I've done Tiffany's money mindset. I think I was in like her beta group. And I have had conversations around fee setting. And that is the one that I struggle with the most. But after your coaching session and after Hawaii, I went up on my fees. And I just decided that this is what I need. And I actually really could use more, but this is where I feel comfortable stopping at for right now. And it has allowed me to like, nobody's bad at the eye. What did you raise it from like what to what? When I first started five years ago, I, I started out at 80 and then I got scared and I went down to 50 for like three months if people came to me for three months. And then I stopped at 80 and I went to 110. And so now I'm comfortably at 150 for individuals and 200 for couples. And nobody says, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what do they say instead of ugh? They say, um, because I require a non-refundable appointment fee. And they say, okay, uh, how do I uh, pay? And if I go too long without sending them an invoice, they'll say, hey, um, did you forget my invoice? Do we still have an appointment or what? Wow. So that is a great example of bougie boundaries, right? Like you're asking for what you need. You're relaying it with confidence and transparency. And you're also recognizing my time is valuable. I am offering something really valuable to the community. Yeah, I I love that. You and I spoke about this during the coaching course, like being a BIPOC therapist in Tennessee, I think you thought to some extent, like nobody's going to pay me $150 or $200 an hour. I did think that. So how has that like changed and shifted now that you are getting that without someone even batting an eye? It has helped me be more confident and it has also helped me help other therapists who are shortening themselves be more confident because they see if I'm charging 150, then okay, so she can only see a certain number of people. So there's other people out there who's willing to pay 150. Absolutely. That is, that's, that's exactly it, right? Like we get so much into this mindset and therapy that people can't afford our services. They can't pay out of pocket. They have to use their insurance. Like only as forward sliding scale spots. And although that's true for some people, that's not true for everyone. And getting more comfortable with talking about money, I think that makes a major difference when we pick up the phone and talk about our fees. Yeah, and it also brings in certain people. So what I like about private pay is people are coming to do the work because they are- They're very invested. They're invested. And depending on how much you charge, I enjoy the conversations that I have with my clients because of their intellectual status. And it sounds like you're probably attracting more of your ideal clients in your niche that you have. I absolutely love every client that I have. (laughs) (laughs) Who are those clients? Like who, who's your jam right now? Like who are you loving to work with? Um, Women who are entrepreneurs who are tired of being everything for everybody. And they are looking for somebody to give them permission to stop it. So it sounds familiar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we've talked about having your ideal client be a version of yourself. That's really a wonderful 180 to say I was here. I was doing it all for everyone else. Now I'm helping people break that cycle. 
Yeah. And it's amazing to see because I have to make sure that I'm not inserting myself in their session. And so still making sure I keep my codependency in check with just being curious with how things turn out for them without me having to tell them. Curiosity and reflection instead of jumping in and saving. Yep. That's so cool. So that makes a lot of sense with the stopping the chase piece of like, stop chasing this savior complex that we can never do for anyone because we won't save ourselves. Right. So that's how I, that's exactly how I came up with stopping the chase. I realized that I was emotionally exhausted from chasing like people, places, things, relationships, accolades. I was a professional student and I just, I loved going to school. But at some point, one of my girlfriends, she said, you just got to stop learning. She said, you got to stop learning. You got to take a break and just trust that you know what you need to know. You know enough and apply it, live in it, do what you need to do with it before you move on to something else. How was that for you? I needed that permission. (laughs) I needed that permission because I didn't know that was what I needed. So stopping the chase, and and then when I stop the chase, that means that I had to learn that I already had what I needed. I just needed help cultivating it. Sure. It sounds like also just being okay and having acceptance with where you're at too, and not pursuing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Because I I think a lot of myself. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Exactly. I need to prove myself for to all of these different people to myself to whoever it is, right? So I think that's really wonderful. And sounds like it's given you a lot of relief and a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment in this career. It has. It has. It's allowed me the space to be able to enjoy it and not feel like I'm out here trying to save everyone. When we left Maui, we went to Honolulu. And when we left Honolulu, the Uber driver, he started talking and we asked him, why is he Ubering? And he said he's Ubering because he wants to introduce every last one of his clients to Jesus. So you're a Uber Jesus Jr. (laughs) (laughs) So for you, coming in contact with this Uber driver is probably like a good reminder of who you could be versus who you are today. That's exactly what it was. And I was thinking, (laughs) just drive me to the airport, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to go home. Like, I don't need you to save me right now or support me. I just want you to get me to the airport safely and do your job. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I said, oh, that's what that looks like. What a great way to see that on the other side of just being like, this is, this impacts a lot of different people where we feel like our self-worth and value comes from helping others and being invested and, in, and available for them all the time. And that's yeah. exhausting. Yeah. I can turn my phone off or put my phone on do not disturb and sleep for 10 hours. And when I wake up, I'm just like, hmm, everybody's okay. And you have kids too. So that had to be a thing where you were like, I'm going to do this and I can't control the outcomes of what happens in the next 10 hours. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't go too far away from home. I wouldn't do a lot of stuff as a young mom before I knew better because I was thinking, what if my kids need me? And not remembering that they are out in the world and there's other adults around them that can help them if they need it. So I don't have to be the rescuer and the saver for everybody all the time, not even my kids. Right. 
Right. That's big. That's really big. And that also, like you mentioned, empowers people and and your kids to be Mm self-reliant, to not have to come to you for everything, to also allow them to have confidence in themselves and in their decision-making too. Right. Definitely. My daughter, she used to have a list of complaints every day. So what I had her do was write them down and we'll discuss them at bedtime. (laughs) That's a good way to do it. So it allows her to get them out without having to like have them consume her, but then you can discuss them at a certain time of the day. Right. And she didn't have to come to me for each one of them every time they popped up. Right. So again, setting bougie boundaries in one way or another. Boundaries, bougie boundaries. (laughs) You need to trademark that. Yeah, it allows me to be able to enjoy being with people. Yeah, it sounds like you could probably be more present and more yourself when you're operating in a way that is really within your value system. Right, because I'm also an introvert. I don't ever get that sense from you, but that's good to know. Yeah, I'm not shy, but I'm definitely an introvert. And I figured out how to dip out without people realizing that I've dipped out. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. I'll sneak out the back sometimes and functions. I'm like, I'm not saying goodbye to anybody because then I start getting this mindset of I've got to say goodbye to everyone. I've got to like, please everyone. And that's exhausting. Like you can't live your life that way. Yep. You got to hug all 30 people. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not trying to hug any of those 30 people. So I'm getting the hell out of there without any of them seeing me. Oh, where'd you go? I'm like, uh, I've been home for an hour. Sorry. Must not have seen you must've been in the bathroom. That's me. Uh, Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page. That probably is why we connected and became friends. So I want to just touch base on uh, some of the cool stuff you're offering because you have a lot going on right now in your career as an entrepreneur. So tell everyone what you're doing and how they can find you. Okay. Well, I am doing individual sessions for anybody who's in Tennessee, virtual and in person. And I am doing some consulting for people who have the the license to be clinicians, but hadn't really thought about or considered being a therapist. If they're working in community mental health and they like to become an entrepreneur, then I do some consulting and some mentorship for them, uh, especially people of color, because only 5% of registered therapists are of color. And people of color, Black people are coming to therapy. It's just that they don't have enough options for people who are coming to therapy. And I've even had people who have friends who are not of color and they need help. (laughs) For sure. Can I refer her to you? So yeah, helping to create more therapists of color or empowering people to become therapists of color. I also started a podcast, Bougie Black Therapist, and it's all things therapy and helping people get comfortable with being their own authentic self, not having to feel like you need to be in a box in order to be a therapist because you're going to attract the people that are attracted to you. And I am a yoga teacher, a registered yoga teacher, but I'm still working on getting comfortable with that. Okay. Pushing yourself out of your comfort zone though. And it sounds like you are empowering so many different people in your life right now with all of the different things that you're doing. And it doesn't sound like any of that could happen if you were still operating in Jesus junior mode. It would not. Because I just be going through the motions and going from one hour to the next, and I wouldn't be able to enjoy the quality of life that I have now. And it's beautiful for all of you listening that this is what becoming an entrepreneur can be. It doesn't have to look one certain way. It doesn't have to be inside of a box. You get to create it, and you don't really get to see that vision until you're starting to work in it. 
and starting to see the options that come with having more free time, more freedom, more flexibility. So Montoya, I'm really happy for you. And I really appreciate you being on here as a guest. I'm going to actually let my wife know about your podcast because that sounds really amazing. And I love that you're empowering black clinicians or people to become clinicians. I think that's really, really, really important for our field, especially when you scroll through pages of therapists and it's all white faces. So wonderful stuff. If y'all are listening, please feel free to download wherever you listen to podcasts, share this podcast episode to listen to Montoya talk about bougie boundaries, Jesus Jr., and recovering codependency. Also, if you have any interest in doing private practice building, you can check my stuff out at allthingspractice.com or my Facebook group, All Things Private Practice. Thanks. Have a good day. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.